Well, good morning, Abundant Lifers, and it's so wonderful to be here this morning to worship the Lord. We have a special service today in a special time where we're going to hear a word from the Lord. Uh, we have a great speaker for you today, and this is going to be a little different, so I'm just going to ask you just to really tune in to what God will say to us today. Our special guest speaker is none other than uh, Pastor Sean Watkins. Pastor Watkins, who is from Austin, Texas, is going to be ministering to us. Perhaps you heard him uh, on Law Live. And uh, he's a man who uh, overcame many different areas of, of adversity in his life. And uh, as uh, growing up in Houston, Texan, Texas area, uh, he is, has a passion for reconciliation and social dust, justice. He's also a church planner now in the Austin, Texas area. He's uh, been participating and working uh, with organizations such as InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Um, and also he has a, a graduate degree from Fuller Theological Seminary and he is a powerful man of God. And so it's so wonderful that we can have someone here today who can really speak into the area of uh, justice and bring hope and bring reconciliation to the body of Christ and so today, please open your heart and welcome with me our Pastor Sean Watkins. Well, good morning, Abundant Life. It is a joy and a privilege. I say greetings to you all the way from Austin, Texas. Hope you all are doing well and surviving in this insane and crazy time in which we live. Thank you to Bishop Larry Ward and to Reverend Dr. Virginia Ward for the opportunity to come and share with you again. Uh, as always, I am grateful for the influence of those two in my life, and I'm grateful to be able to share with you on this Sunday morning. Now, I'm not one for long introductions, so let's dive right into the text on this Sunday morning. If you've got a Bible, I want us to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And here's what the text says. Don't you know that all runners in the stadium run, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. Everyone who competes practices self-discipline in everything. The runners do this to get a crown of leaves that shrivel up and die. But we do it to receive a crown that never dies. So now this is how I run. Not without a clear goal in sight. I fight like a boxer in the ring not like someone who is shadow boxing. Rather, I'm landing punches on my own body and subduing it like a slave. I do this to be sure that I myself won't be disqualified after preaching to others. Sisters and brothers, just for a few moments on this Sunday morning, I wanna tag this text, uh, Committed Beyond Circumstances. Committed Beyond Circumstances. Let's have a word of prayer. God who is living we are grateful for the gift and the privilege and the opportunity to be with you and to commune with you. Lord, thank you for the gift of technology. In the midst of a global pandemic like COVID-19, a disease that requires social distancing and disconnection and isolation in order for us to survive, Lord, we have the gift of technology which allows us to still exist in community. And so thank you for my brothers and sisters in Boston and the opportunity for us to be able to commune together. Lord, I pray as always that your word would go forward and accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. God, that it won't return back to you void. Lord, would we be iron sharpening iron, edifying each other? And I, choose, I do pray, God, for a transformational experience. God, these folks need to not hear another sermon. Lord, they need to have an encounter with you. And so, God, I pray that you would speak uh, because your people are listening. We do pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. Committed beyond circumstances. First and foremost, let's establish some of the basics. What exactly is a commitment? Well, Webster's defines a commitment as an agreement or pledge to do something in the future. It's an agreement or a pledge to do something, some activity, some work, some responsibility in the future. It also means to bind or obligate, as by pledge or assurance. That's how Webster's defines commitment. But as time has progressed in my own life, I have noticed that I am starting to enjoy uh, the hood definition or the hood rules just a little bit more as we navigate this Western world. In other words, I've given you the definition from Webster's. Let me also give you the definition from Urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary defines commitment as commitment is what transforms the promise into reality. It is the words that speak boldly of our intentions and the actions which speak louder than the words. It is making the time when there is none, coming through time after time after time, year after year after year. Commitment is the stuff character is made of, the power to change the face of things. It is the daily triumph of integrity over skepticism. The next question is, well, what are we committed to? It's clear in America, we are committed to a couple of things. First and foremost, we're committed to our sports. We love sports, basketball, soccer, hockey, track, underwater basket weaving, tennis, you name it, whatever it is. If there's some type of a competition that can be done, we love our sports. We love food. We like nice food, quality food. We like fine dining. We like soul food. We like food from different ethnic groups, different spices, different flavors. We are a nation of consumers. We love to be able to eat. We're a nation that also, you know, one of our commitments is in politics. Uh, putting aside the tomfoolery that's going on in the nation for a moment, we are a diverse nation. We have people of different geographic locations, uh, different cultural and ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, different levels of education. And as a consequence of that economic and cultural and geographic diversity, we have different thoughts, feelings, and opinions on how the government should be run, on how the nation should be led, and the decisions that should be made. And part of the gifts of being in a democracy is we believe that we like to take the best and the brightest of us and put them in positions of leadership. And we entrust them with the responsibility of stewarding the resources in the nation well so that they are a benefit to all of us as citizens. And so whether we like it or not, as a nation, we have a commitment to our politics. We also are committed to our boo, your spouse, your boo thing, your number one, your girl, your boy, all of that. We are committed to the people that we love, our families, our significant others. And finally, because the last shall be first, we are committed to our God. As Christians, the tenet of the Christian faith is that we have a commitment to God, to the Lord Jesus, and to the listening, the functions, the submission to the Holy Spirit operating and working and moving in our lives. Those are our commitments to sports, to food, politics our significant others in our family, and God. That's not all of them, but those are some of the commitments, the major commitments that we have in our lives. And without question, as those are commitments, COVID has threatened every single last one of those. First of all, COVID has threatened our sports. 
Outside is closed. There were no sports for a number of months, and even now they have come back and they are barely here. Uh, COVID first hit, LeBron James was saying, I am not going to play basketball if the fans are not there. And COVID said, I laugh at thee. <laughs> the arenas will be closed. You won't even play basketball. COVID's also threatened our commitment to food. Restaurants are closed right now. You really can't go hardly anywhere if you want to be able to go out to eat and get a nice meal. You have to learn to cook at home. Not only are restaurants closed, we've seen shortages in grocery stores around the country. Things that we normally have taken for granted for so long in an abundance, they just disappeared overnight. And we've had to recognize the ways in which we have got to be better responsible or better stewards of the food resources that we have in our country. Politics have also been threatened without question. We've seen in the midst of both the Democratic and the Republican national conventions in the past, one of the staples of politics is that after you give an incredible speech, they stand up and they do the fake waves. They're not doing that right now because nobody's in the room. COVID has also threatened, if I'm honest, our families and your boo. Not just because we're concerned about their physical health, but because some of us have never spent this much time with our families before. And also, I would say COVID has, in some respects, it has, for lack of a better word, threatened our commitment to the Lord. Most of us are used to going to worship in a church. We used to sing the praise team, doing a call and response with the preacher and engaging, feeling the spirit of God, moving and stirring in our places of worship. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but there are specific times in my life where going into my prayer closet can be a powerful experience. Uh, sometimes playing gospel music in my car or in my bedroom can be a, positive, a, po uh, a really positive experience. I can have this incredible encounter with God with my friends as we talk about either the sermon or just what God is doing in our lives. But if I'm honest, Nothing takes the place of stepping into that sacred space, into holy ground, where we know the place has been dedicated and committed to the Lord. And we are there Sunday after Sunday. There's something about going into the house of the Lord that everything just feels right. And we have not been able to do that for a number of months. The one thing that COVID has made us committed to is masks. Where is your mask? Wakandans wear masks. Make sure you got your mask. But sisters and brothers, I want to suggest that not only has COVID threatened some of our commitments, COVID has revealed our commitments. You see, all of our creature comforts have been taken away. And what remains, that's what we truly are committed to. In other words, the disciplines that are a part of our life, our ingrained habits, whatever we have done these last few months, that's at the core of who we really are. You see, our commitments are only commitments if they don't change based on circumstances. In his book, Disciplines of the Spirit, Dr. Howard Thurman mentions five spiritual disciplines that he invites Christians to be able to engage in to help them grow in their faith and understanding of who God is and is working in their lives. And the first discipline that he mentions is what I want to be able to focus on for our time today. It's commitment. In his book, he has a quote from Oswald McCall that I want to share with us. Be under no illusion. You shall gather to yourself the images you love. As you go, the shapes, the lights, 
The shadows of things that you have preferred will come to you. Yes, inveritably, inevitably, as bees to their hives. And there in your mind and spirit, they will leave you with their distilled essence, sweet as honey or bitter as gall. Cleverness may select skillful words to cast a veil about you. Circumspection may never sleep, yet you will not be hid, no. As year adds to year, that face of yours, which once lay smooth in your baby crib, like an unwritten page, will take to itself lines and still more lines, as the parchment of an old historian who jealously sets down all the story. And there, more deep than acids etched in steel, will grow the inscribed narrative of your mental habits, the emotions of your heart, your sense of conscience, your response to duty, what you think of your God and your fellow men and of yourself. It will all be there. For men become like that which they love, and the name thereof is written on their brows. Sisters and brothers, COVID has removed our false commitments and revealed the true commitments of our heart. And that's where we are in our text on this Sunday morning. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he spends the first couple of chapters addressing a number of issues that have been revealed to him. So he deals with issues like conflict and sexual immorality in the church in the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians. And then we get to chapters 7, 8 in our text for this morning in chapter 9. And the Apostle Paul uh, makes it clear that he's talking about the ways in which he becomes all things to all people so that some may be reached. He talks about his rights as an apostle and the fact that uh, anyone who works in their particular field, they are able to garner a livable wage from that. People who plant vineyards can eat from the vine. Paul gives all these examples that says, if you work in a particular field, you ought to be able to benefit from that. And he says, people who work in the ministry of the gospel should have a living off of the gospel. But Paul backdoors and says, that's a right of his as an apostle, but he is not taking advantage of it. And Paul says, listen, no matter where I go, I tried to become all things to all people so that some could be reached. If I was around Jewish people, I practiced Jewish customs. If I was around Gentiles, I practiced Gentile customs. If I was around people that were under the law, he says, I acted as I was one under the law. I became all things to all people so that some could be reached. And then he goes on into our text. He says, if you're going to run, run in such a way to win the prize. And that's really the first part of our message. If you and I are going to be committed beyond circumstances in this Christian walk, first and foremost, you and I must be committed to the run. Now, when I say committed to the run, what I mean by that is we are committed to our own personal health. Stephen Covey talks about it in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says, private victories precede public victories. That if you and I want to be able to run in a race, well, the first thing we've got to be able to do is make sure that we're running and operating at our best. And if we want to run and operate at our best, that means we've got to be concerned with our own health, our personal health, our physical health, our emotional health, our mental health, and our spiritual health. Now, there are a number of things that are threatening our health in all of these categories in this season of life. 2020 has turned out, has turned up and turned out. None of us expected any of the things that have taken place this year. Our physical health has been in danger because of COVID-19. Our emotional health and spiritual health, our psychological health, because of the isolation that many of us experience from being disconnected from community and friends and family. 
but we have to remind ourselves that we have to be committed to our own health beyond circumstances. We've got to be in the scriptures for ourselves. We've got to be in our prayer closets because we want to pray, not because our pastors or bishop is inviting us or telling us or reminding us to pray. We've got to do those things because we recognize in order for us to be healthy, in order for us to run spiritually, we've got to be able to have some habits, some healthy habits to help us operate at our best. Paul says, do you not know in a race all runners run? I think the metaphor that Paul's trying to tell us here is that as Christians, all of us are runners. That's the metaphor he's using. I mean, if you've ever met a runner before, runners love to run. It's very few times that you can encounter someone who is a runner and they actually hate the sport of running. Runners just love it. Doesn't matter where they are, what city they're in, they love to run. When I was on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, I had the opportunity to be able to travel around the country to different cities and states and places, some beautiful locales. Sometimes we would be downtown. Sometimes we would be out in the cabins, in the woods, in the middle of nowhere. But it didn't matter. There were always a group of people that were runners. And whenever we would get there, they would ask, what was the schedule? And some type of way, they would always find each other. They would be downstairs in the lobby. Most of us would be unpacking. Virginia and I would be trying to figure out where is the bug spray? Where is the nearest exit? Which car is closest? <laughs> to the exit at the end of the street in case something pops off. How can we get out of here fast without any problems? Not the runners. The runners, they brought their running shoes. They brought clothes. And as soon as they got there, the first thing they would do, they would go for a run. A run helped to reset their hearts, reset their minds, get them acclimated to the environment, and to prepare them for whatever work had to be done. That's what runners do. Runners love to run. And what the Apostle Paul is saying to us uh, in this text is that as Christians, we have to practice self-discipline. In the same way that runners have to be disciplined in the field that they love, you and I have got to practice self-discipline. Now, let me be clear. I think whenever we talk about self-discipline in the church as Christians, we always talk about the spiritual habits of prayer, of scripture study, of fasting and meditation. And all of those are important. But I think in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of all of the chaos that is going on in our country and us being inundated with videos of unarmed black people being killed by law enforcement and by citizens, I think we need to dig even a little bit deeper in terms of what our commitments are. Uh, if I'm honest, we need to re-engage our commitments to our own personal health. I've been on a journey since I left staff with InterVarsity in 2017. I said I wanted to do two things. Number one, I said I wanted to decolonize my mind. And so I committed to only reading authors of color in these last few years. It didn't matter where they were from. If they were a person of color, particularly women of color, I wanted to read those theological frameworks. I wanted to read those books. I wanted to be able to hear voices from the margins and let them transform my thinking. But in the midst of that process, uh, I've told Virginia and a couple of other folks, when I left that large collegiate ministry, it was a struggle for me to be able to go to sleep at night. I would get home, didn't have a job. I could be out exercising, meeting with my friends, studying when I was still in seminary, working on my degree. But it was a struggle for me to go to bed at night. And one day as I was talking to my therapist, because I believe in therapy, one day when I was talking to my therapist, he said, Sean, do you know how to take care of yourself? In other words, what are your own personal habits so that you can operate at your best? He said, Sean, your visible muscles are strong. You can speak, you can teach, you can preach. 
you can even go to the gym and exercise. He said, but your invisible muscles, he said, those are weak. And that's what concerns me. And so my therapist put me on a regimen. I had to drink eight glasses of water a day. I had to eat three meals a day. And I had to commit to getting eight hours of sleep. And when I tell you that was the most difficult thing that anybody ever made me do in my life, <laughs> sweet baby Jesus, but it transformed my life. Sisters and brothers, I think that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. If we are Christians, and we are, and if we are committed to this metaphor of running, you and I have got to make sure, just like runners, that we are taking care of our own personal health. There's a lot going on in this pandemic. There's a lot going on with this presidential election. There's a lot going on with this Me Too movement and DACA and Black Lives Matter. We are inundated with social injustice on a regular basis, almost to the point that we are becoming numb. And so sisters and brothers, I wanna invite you afresh to be committed to your own health beyond circumstances. Make sure you are drinking enough water and staying hydrated. Make sure you are eating three meals a day. Make sure you are getting eight hours of sleep. Again, COVID is taking away all of our creature comforts. COVID is taking away all the things that we think that we are committed to. And whatever is left, that reveals our true commitments. And so perhaps even a better question to ask, what does COVID revealed your commitments are? I've talked to people around the country and it's amazing. There are some people who, even though working from home, their workaholism is still in place. They still work in 12, 13, 14 hours a day and they can't go anywhere. We are at home around family and friends. We still don't know how to communicate with each other. We still don't know how to rest. We still are not taking care of ourselves. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, in a race, all the runners run. But if you are going to run in the race, you've got to love running. And if you want to look, if you want to run well, you've got to make sure that you are taking care of yourself and operating at your very best. Runners know they are runners. Runners want to run. They love to run. They see the benefits of running, their health, their energy, their endurance, their vitality. But running requires self-discipline. It requires character. They have to run regularly. There's a habit of running that's formed in their lives. Runners run no matter what. They run in the rain, sunshine, mud, the snow, outside, inside, on a trail, doesn't matter where it is. They are committed to running beyond external circumstances. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul is saying to us, that we have to be committed beyond circumstances to our own personal growth. Howard Thurman, in his book, Disciplines of the Spirit, he gives this amazing illustration of what took place in his front yard. He said he came outside one morning and he noticed that the road had been torn up and there was a construction company outside digging down deeply, trying to excavate all of the cement and mud and dirt to get to a pipe because water had been cut off to a number of houses on his street. And he said once they got to the pipe, it had been crushed by all of these tree roots. But Dr. Thurman said there were no trees on his street and uh, the construction workers, they had to be able to do an investigation to figure out what was going on. There was a tree some 400 yards away that the roots were on the search. They were on the hunt for life, for whatever it was that would help them to be healthy. Sisters and brothers, I want to invite us in this very unique time of COVID to ask the difficult questions, the hard questions, the hopeful questions. What do you need in order to truly be healthy? And how are we committed to that beyond circumstances? 
For some of us, we need to be committed to our physical health. For others, it's for our emotional health. We need to set boundaries around our technology and entertainment and what we take into our very spirits and souls. And obviously for others, we need to step our game up with our spiritual disciplines. But just because COVID is going on doesn't mean that Bible study has to stop or that fasting has to stop. Or we can look online and be able to see different places in which sermons have been preached and broadcast. This is the opportunity for you to stop and go back and look in your phone and your folder and all those Bible study notes from all those sermons from all of those years that most of us never go back and look at. Now is the opportunity for you to be able to go back and look at those and not just reread those application questions, but actually answer them. As a 80s baby and a 90s kid, I have to confess, one of the things that I absolutely loved when I was growing up was professional wrestling. Uh, I was a big fan of Hulk Hogan until I found out he was racist. And one of my favorite professional wrestlers is now one of the highest paid actors in the world, Dwayne Douglas Johnson, The Rock, the people's champion. I used to love watching The Rock on professional wrestling. And obviously, he's blown up and he's doing his thing in Hollywood. He's also on Instagram. He's got a number of things he's advertising and selling. But one of the things that you always see Dwayne Johnson doing, The Rock is always in the gym working out. Doesn't matter. Matter of fact, he's made so much money and he's arrived at this level of status in his life. His own personal gym, they literally dismantle it and put it on a bus and they drive it to every place where he is going to film. If necessary, they will fly it out there. He's gotten to the point now to where he has a specific routine and his gym travels with him. And the first thing he does when he gets to a new city is work out. He is committed to the work of being an athlete. He is committed to being physically his best. I saw one Instagram video of him once because I follow him on Instagram. And there was a hurricane that was hitting Cuba but the gale force winds and the rain were hitting Miami, Florida. And The Rock gets out of his truck. It is pouring down raining. And this man is like, we got to go to work. <laughs> and he's going to work out. I'm like, you are nuts. What are you doing? Who works out during a hurricane? People who are committed beyond circumstances. We have a perfect storm in our nation right now. We got multiple hurricanes going on both literally and figuratively. And all of those are reasons for us to be able to disengage, to turn the television off, to binge on Netflix, to get lax with our spiritual habits and disciplines. But friends, that's not what the Lord has invited us to. Paul says, if you are going to run, run in such a way as to win. And if you wanna win, you gotta make sure you are running and operating at your best. And so, friends, first and foremost, you have to be committed to the run. But second, you also want to be committed to the race. The Apostle Paul said, don't you know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize. Now, I have to confess, I am somewhat competitive. Not a lot. I am an only child, so I really didn't have that whole sibling rivalry thing. I won every game, so there wasn't that big of a deal for me. Uh, but people who have siblings, people who are type A personalities, you feel that competitive drive in them. The Serena Williams, the Michael Jordans, or the late, great Kobe Bryant. We see that type of competitive drive in all of them. And there's one person in particular who I think embodies that type of competitive drive, and it is the Reverend Dr. Virginia Ward. Uh, this is a number of years ago. We both are on staff with InterVarsity, and we both are on the national 
Black Campus Ministries leadership team, which means Virginia and I are on a team that's responsible for helping care for black staff nationally who are doing this collegiate ministry work, and then also responsible for creating ideas that can serve black students nationwide. And so we've had an amazing staff meeting, and she probably know where I'm going with this. We had an amazing staff meeting, and I can't remember if we were in California or if we were in Louisville, Kentucky. But we were in one of these places, and we decided that we were going to go out to eat, and we decided that we were going to go bowling. And so the director at the time, he says, yep, it's a nice, friendly game, no teams, let's just get out here and have a nice time. And so we're all out there just kind of playing, we're laughing and cracking jokes, and everyone's just relaxing. And I'm having a conversation with Virginia. She's telling me about Bishop and about the church and about, at that time, the doctoral work that she's working on. And so uh, I get out there. I'm not playing. I just throw the ball down there. I think I knocked down three pins and then got to spare the rest of it. Virginia is having a conversation. She's laughing, cracking jokes with all of us. And then when it came time for she stopped talking. She got up. She checked out all the balls. She got one that was her size. She walked up strike <laughs> and sat back down and we were like all right virginia good job good job next round comes around she stopped talking she got up strike and i looked at him virginia i was like we it's a game like we just we just having a nice time we're playing she said oh yeah no sean i get it now we having a nice time but somebody has to win and while virginia was playing the game of bowling the principle in which he embodied is precisely what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. It's not just that we are committed to our own personal, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. It's not just that we're committed to running. We have to recognize that we are preparing to run because we are in a race. That this is not just an individual salvation. We are in a community, not just a community of believers, but we operate in a community on the earth. That the world is watching. There is a stadium present. And the witness of the church, the witness of Christians as believers, your own personal witness, all of those things are being watched and observed. And so we need to be able to operate at our best. And so practically, what does committed to the race look like? Well, I think you've got to figure out how you can get into some structured relationships so that you can grow spiritually during this season. You've got to make a couple of commitments to yourself uh, that you won't just go to bedside Baptist with Pastor Pillar and Deacon Sheets on a regular basis. And you're going to show up to Abundant Life virtually every Sunday, or at least consistently, whether that's three Sundays out of the month or four Sundays out of the month. That's still every Sunday, isn't it? That you're making a decision to come consistently to church. That you're figuring out the ways in which, you know what, hey, I've been binging Netflix a lot this week. Let me turn this off and I actually want to engage the Lord in some worship and prayer. And I'm not going to do it by myself. That if you want to hop on FaceTime with some friends or have a Zoom prayer call or a Zoom prayer meeting, that you want to get into some structured relationships to maintain your spiritual growth, that you want to go into virtual training, if you will, so that you can continue to operate at your best. Uh, two years ago, I decided that I wanted to go for my black sash in Tai Chi. Now, I started practicing Tai Chi in 2016 after the murders of Philando Castile and Alton Sterling. And I walked into that Tai Chi studio and I said, listen, I need to break things legally or I am not going to make it. And so I started practicing Tai Chi and I absolutely love it. There are several different forms of Tai Chi and I was having a wonderful time. At some point, Grandmaster Goring said, Sean, you should think about going for your black sash in Tai Chi, the highest belt attainable in the art. And so after some consideration and thought process, I said, you know what, why not? It doesn't make sense to just 
run for the sake of running, I should run with a prize in mind. It didn't make sense just to practice Tai Chi for the sake of practicing Tai Chi. I should practice it for the, sin for the sake of wanting to have mastery over it. And so I began this process of working towards my black sass in Tai Chi, which I did get in December of 2019. But in that process, I was given a sparring partner named Tom. Tom was an older white guy in his 60s. And uh, Tom, he's kind of a military man, very disciplined, pretty hardcore, really nice, but very methodical, meticulous, and disciplined. And so we said that we wanted to start practicing uh, on a regular basis to make sure that we were in preparation for the test. The test included uh, the Yang form, 108 moves, completely memorized. We need to be able to perform it in 10 minutes, which means quickly, or perform it in 30 minutes, which meant very slowly. We also had to be able to demonstrate with two different weapons, uh, staffs and with swords. Uh, we need to be able to communicate the eight energies of Tai Chi, and we need to be able to spar effectively uh, in front of a panel of other black sashes and judges. And so when Tom and I agreed to be sparring partners, I thought we were going to get together on the weekends, you know, from 10 until 12 on Saturday. Tom had other things in mind. Tom wanted to get together to practice going over everything, fighting habits, fighting styles, patterns, weapons, the form, at 6 a.m. every morning at the gym, Monday through Friday. Now, y'all don't know me that well, but let me just say from up front, I am not a morning person. The Bible says that the Lord does not sleep, which means I get to. Uh, five o'clock only comes across my clock once a day. I am not a morning person at all. Never have been, never will be. Tom had me up at 5.30 in the morning. I got to that gym at 6 and I was hot as fish grease every single morning. I was mad, y'all. We did it every morning for about six months in preparation for our black sash test. And when it came time for the test, Grandmaster Goring looked at us. There were eight candidates there. We were all going for our black sashes and we all got them. But he singled out Tom and myself and he said, I can tell that you all have put in the work. I can tell that you love Tai Chi. He said, when people come in for the test, he said, sometimes it's rigorous for them or it's painful. He said, your level of preparation has demonstrated your commitment to this art and I'm awarding you your black sashes. Friends, that's what I mean. Tom pushed me to be my best. I didn't want to get up at 6 a.m. at first, but once that habit got ingrained, there was nothing else that I wanted to do. I enjoyed getting up that early. I enjoyed the practice and the mastery of the art, and that habit has helped me to endure these difficult times. The Apostle Paul said that we run, not aimlessly, but we run with a clear goal in sight, though we are running for a specific purpose, and that's to win souls. We're running for a specific purpose. That's to announce that the kingdom of God has come on the earth. We are running for a specific purpose to let people know that they are made in the image of God. That they are worthy of dignity and justice and honor and love and acceptance. That's the type of race that we want to be able to run as Christians and as believers. And so when we have those private victories because we're committed to the run, we can be committed to the race because we're operating at optimal efficiency and we're living our best lives, doing all that God has called and equipped us to be able to do. And the church needs to run in such a way as to win the race, as to win the prize. There should be no reason why the secular world is more righteous than the kingdom of God. There's no reason why people who are not Christians should have the leading voice in concerns for social and systemic injustice happening in the world. If anyone should be championing the tenet of justice, it should be the people of God. But we can only win the race if we are at our optimal health as runners and then we recognize that we are in a race.
for the glory and the kingdom of God. And so we want to make sure that we are committed to the run. We want to make sure that we are committed to the race. But finally, friends, we want to make sure that we are committed to the reward. Now in the text, Paul doesn't tell us specifically what that crown is, that thing that we're achieving. And it's easy, I think, for people to misinterpret the passage at times and to point to some type of prosperity gospel I think that Paul's referring to or could be referring to here. I don't think he's doing that. I think he is indicating to us or he's leaving it vague rather that there is a type of crown that you and I will receive from being good stewards of the responsibility that God has called us to have. As Christians, when we are committed to the run, when we are committed to the race, we demonstrate our commitment to the reward. I think that reward really is our relationship with the Father. And it's being in a relationship with God, it's being a citizen of the kingdom. It is the opportunity to live in the abundance of that kingdom, to announce to the world that the kingdom of God has come. I think that's the reward that Paul is talking about. He's not clear there, but I'm using my sanctified imagination. I think Paul is saying, listen, Here's the benefits of all of this. You and I get to experience relationship with God. We get to do life with God. That in of itself is a gift. That's the crown that will last forever. Too often we see what's going on with our sports right now. Uh, it doesn't matter which field it is, again, whether it's basketball or football, uh, they always compete and they go into strict training every single year. What happens after they win the championship? Give it a couple of months and what happens? They have to hit the ground running again. They have to get back into practice because there's another competition coming up. There's another opportunity to become a world champion again. It never stops. It never ends. And Paul says that's not what this is. We go into uh, strict training. We go into self-discipline. We learn what it means to be godly Christians. We learn what it means to be of uh, the people of God functioning as a community of faith. And then what happens? The reward from that, I think we get to be in a relationship with God. We, we get to be a credible witness for his kingdom. And we get to see men and women come to faith. That The kingdom of God grows and expands. That's the totality of what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I think that's what he's alluding to with the prize. It's not as specific or clear in the text, but I think that's what Paul is indicating to us, that there is a goal that comes from this. You and I get to be in a relationship with God, and we get to be in a relationship with other, with each other. And I can already hear you thinking, Sean, why in the world are we talking about being committed beyond circumstances? Why are you talking about running and races and a reward? Well, my friends, uh, COVID has been here for what feels like uh, almost six months now. It's altered the course and the trajectory of our lives. And a number of us have been trying to figure out what disciplines and habits do we need to be able to pick up? Um, what habits do we need to be able to change in order to become our best selves? Some of us have experiencing deep isolation, and that's been traumatizing for a number of us. Uh, there are some folks who are married and they're able to be with their spouses or significant others. And so that type of fellowship and community, even having kids in the house, that can be helpful. But there are some people where this has been doubly isolating and it's been painful and it's been difficult. And so I wanted to remind us, to charge us, to invite us to assess what are the habits maybe that we had that were healthy before COVID hit that we've stopped, that we need to pick back up. What are some places in which we need to dig down deeply and get into some structural relationships for the sake of our own mental and emotional health? In other words, are you getting enough food? Are you getting enough rest? Are you getting enough um, water to make sure you're staying hydrated? Are you getting some type of social interaction, whether that's uh, on social media, virtually, or in Zoom meetings, or on FaceTime? Are you having some type of human connection, even if it's digitally for your own emotional health? 
And I'm asking all of those things because we see what's going on in the world right now. We see COVID, we see the political unrest, we see the racial tensions that are mounting in our country. They are not going away. The world is continuing to spin its problems are continuing and some of them are even starting to metastasize and as the people of god we have got to be at our best we have got to be at our healthiest to respond to the times such as these i think that COVID 19 as painful as it is and as brutal as it is i think it's also a wake-up call from the lord for us to be able to stop to rest i think it really is like a year of jubilee which we have never had before in the united states of america you see that in the old testament every 50 years they would pull that thing over they would stop harvesting crops they would let the land heal they would let the people rest and they would eat off whatever came out of the ground and that was it land was restored to people debts were canceled we don't think like that in the western world and god has shut this thing down to remind us who is in charge and who is not and he has given all of us an opportunity to be able to stop, to rest, to reflect, to ask ourselves, what are our, two, our true priorities? What actually matters? How am I actually doing? How are we actually doing as a family? How are we actually doing as a church? How are we actually doing as a city, as a community, as a country, as a continent, as people walking the earth right now? And depending on how we answer those questions, we can make some halftime adjustments to make sure that when this thing lifts and we step back out into the stadium to run the race that God has called us to, we start ahead of the curve. We don't start behind the curve. We are our healthiest and our best. And so abundant life, I'm going to invite us to assess afresh. Are we committed to running? Are we committed to our own personal health? And if you are, what healthy habits have you put in your life to make sure that you will continue to be healthy in the midst of this season? If you don't have those habits, I want to invite you to reflect. Where are you physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually in the midst of COVID-19 in this season in 2020? What habits do you need to start in order to become healthy? What habits do you need to stop? And what do you need to let go of right now in order to become closer to Christ so that you can be committed to running beyond circumstances second are you committed to the race to what it means to be a christian in community recognizing that we need each other that the world is watching that the world needs a credible witness right now and so how are we doing as a church how are you doing as a community do you have the elements in place so that you are not isolated and that you have the relational contact that you need in order to be the best type of christian that you can possibly be are you plugged into the ministries of Abundant Life virtually as we navigate the realities of COVID-19? Do you have a balance of scripture and newspaper? Do you have a balance of taking in social media content and prayer? Are you making sure that as you run the race that you stay in your lane and you are doing and operating uh, in the lane that God would have you in? And then finally, do you have your eyes on the prize? Are you committed to the reward? that our hearts are not set on earthly things, but on things above, because we have the mind of Christ. Abundant Life, I want to be able to close this time in prayer for you. Uh, as I see what's going on in our church here in Austin, Texas, as I see what's going on around the world, I want to be able to close just in a time of prayer to ask the Lord to bless you and to protect you and to keep you in the midst of all that's happening. Sisters and brothers, let's pray. Lord, you know the needs of this community of faith in Boston. 
Lord, I pray for the leader of this house, for Bishop Larry Ward and for his wife, Virginia Ward. God, would you continue to give them wisdom beyond their years? God, um, help them to continue to have hearts and minds that are submitted to you. Lord, that as they stand in the gap between a holy God and his children, God, would you speak to them continuously? Would you protect them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet? Lord, pour out supernatural wisdom so that they can lead um, and pastor and shepherd and govern accordingly. Lord, we pray for this community of faith. Lord, I'm reminded of what my mentor told me. Uh, we may be surprised, but you are never surprised, Lord. You knew what this leg of the race was going to be like. Lord, when we came around the corner of 2019 and we saw 2020, and everybody probably was excited thinking that we were going to have 2020 vision. And everybody had visions and plans and dreams and ideas. And Lord, you have invited us to be still and to know that you are God. Lord, I pray for the family of Abundant Life Church. God, I pray in the name of Jesus. God, that during this season, God, you would protect each and every member and their families and their friends. God, protect them physically from COVID-19 and from any of the snares and traps of the evil one. God, would you give them eyes to see and ears to hear uh, the ways in which you are at work in the world. Uh, so much of the news that we see is inundated with negativity. Lord, we know that there is evil in the world. God, would you help us to stop and to reflect and to be sensitive to your spirit so that you can raise our awareness, that we can recognize that you are at work even in the midst of dark situations. God, that you are present in the midst of all of the chaos and confusion that's going on. This thing is not off the rails. It is not uh, outside of control because it's not outside of your control, Lord. You have all power and you have all authority, God. You know what you are doing in the midst of these confusing and frightening times. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that even when we cannot trace your hand, Lord, we would trust your heart. God, we would trust that you are at work. And so, God, I pray for courage for each and every one of us. God, I pray for strength and for boldness. Lord, if we need to be able to stop and change some things in our lives in order to get healthier, Lord, if we need to reach out by phone or by text or by a video meeting asking for help and for support in the midst of COVID, Lord, would you give us the courage and the boldness and the openness and the receptivity both to ask for help, but then also, Lord, to pick up the phone and to answer that call when someone else is reaching out. And God, I do pray for uh, discernment as well, too. Lord, um, so many people who are calling themselves Christians are doing so many things that a number of us feel like are contrary to the gospel. And it's caused some of our young people to walk away from the church. It's caused some people just to be confused about their own faith. And so, Lord, in the midst of all of this, God, I pray that abundant life would be salt and would be light in Boston, Massachusetts. God, in the midst of all of these wonderful bastions of intellectualism, all of these incredible schools, Lord, I pray that there would be a remnant of Christians in Boston, uh, like Abundant Life and other churches that are there that are seeking first your kingdom. Lord, that can be a reflection of what it means to be citizens of that kingdom, to be the people of God, so there can be a credible witness in Boston, so that your light can continue to shine through. Lord, we've seen the darkness in the midst of these trying times. Lord, we long to see the light, and I pray that we would be your vessels, so that light can shine forth, so in the midst of this race that we all are on, Lord, when we cross that finish line on that last day, we will hear well done, good and faithful servants from you. 
that that crown that we get from you will be one that lasts forever because we were faithful to the run, we were faithful to the race, and ultimately we will receive our reward, which is to spend eternity with you. Would you bless my friends, God? Keep them in your care until we meet again. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, abundant life. Take care. Mm -hmm.